James chapter 3, if you would, this morning. Uh, we'll look at, uh, it was going to be two parts about taming your tongue, but it kind of turned into this third part. And we've looked at the, the damage that the tongue can do over the last couple of weeks. I mean, we understand that we can use our tongues to be a blessing and an encouragement, um, but if we're not careful, oftentimes it can do a lot of damage. And uh, so today, the, the hope is just to give us a, some practical thoughts on how to tame the tongue. James 3.8 tells us that no man can do it. And so my hope is I'll share a few thoughts with you and then at the end give you three, three just very simple things that we can do that would help us uh, to control our tongue. We'll read verses 1 through 12 again as we prepare to look at a few things and, uh, this morning. <clears throat> it begins, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, once again, we come before you as a needy people. And Lord, I just pray that you would meet with us this morning and give us something from your word that would draw us near to Christ. Lord, that we might fellowship with you a little bit closer. I pray that you would challenge us to walk uprightly and honor you with our tongue. And Father, we just pray that you would bless those in the other Sunday school classrooms. Lord, I pray that you would do work in our midst that would change our church to be more like Christ. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We understand that the tongue is dangerous, or can be dangerous. Uh, James tells us that it's unruly, and the idea there is that it's unrestrainable. There's an unrestrainable evil uh, that's in our mouth. Uh, this thing we call the tongue, it's full of deadly poison or venom. And we kind of talked about uh, the venom of a snake last week and how sometimes it can strike, and it just leaves a small amount of poison there or a small amount of venom, and then the swelling and the decay and the destruction that takes place in the flesh uh, long after the strike is over. And uh, we need to be careful. Uh, listen, there's a great potential for harm in our mouth. Um, and sometimes people glory in that. Uh, they get boisterous or they get uh, kind of arrogant about saying things that are offensive uh, and that ought not be the attitude of the Christian. 
we ought to understand that the things that come out of our mouth uh, affect folks, and we ought to be doing our best uh, to say the right things at the right time. Uh, we should be thinking about that. And uh, <laughs> I'll get ahead of my notes, but think before you speak. Uh, we say it all the time, but how often do we just pop something off? Uh, we need to be careful. In Romans 3, uh, the Apostle Paul, in describing the depravity of man, he writes in verses 12 through 14 this, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have, <clears throat> excuse me, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And so when you see that description that Paul gives us there in Romans, and it's no wonder that James tells us that no man can tame this thing. Uh, it's not possible that we could uh, do this ourselves. Uh, but I'm afraid oftentimes we try just that. Uh, in our flesh, we attempt to try to restrain our own tongue, uh, but, and we often fail because it's unruly. It's unrestrainable. Uh, by man. Uh, and so we understand that this thing that, that is in our mouth is, is untamable, uh, yet it needs to be tamed because of the potential uh, for the harm that it can cause and, and uh, the outlet of wickedness that, we can, that it can be at times. And, and uh, <clears throat> so just like we would cage an animal, uh, even a wild animal, some of us cage our dogs in our homes. That blows my mind, but uh, I mean, it's domesticated, it's supposed to be under control, and you've taught it and you trained it, but lock her up. Anyway, I'm not judging you for how you control your dogs, but uh, uh, just kind of weird to me how that works. But, but we, we, we cage our animals, right? And, and uh, as Christians, we are called to restrain our speech. Uh, nobody, some people don't leave their dogs out because they're gonna afraid what it's going to leave on the floor. We need to be careful that we open our mouth because of what it's going to leave in somebody's ear. Uh, Psalms 34.13 says this, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. So we have all these admonitions or, or these uh, commands to, to refrain our tongue or to keep our tongue. 1 Peter 2.1 says this, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Psalm 39.1, I said I will... Take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. So we have all these examples in Scripture, and I believe there's so many of them because it's such an issue. Uh, and so many people that have, God has used to pen the Word of God can relate to the struggle that we have with not bridling our tongue. And <clears throat> so... Proverbs 10.19 says that we should uh, refrain our lips. Those that are wise will refrain. In James 1, if you remember back in chapter 1, uh, it talks about somebody that has true religion is somebody that's able to bridle the tongue. And that's an indication of something that's taking place on the inward man, I would say. Uh, and so, uh, if you have a problem with your tongue this morning, I'm telling you, you have a problem with your heart. And hopefully, we'll get to look at that this morning. So how do we tame this thing? We must address not just our words, but also the source of those words. 
oftentimes we're good at, hey, don't, don't say the F word. And I agree with that. You ought not say that. But not because of the company you're with or because you just don't want to be embarrassed by it, but, uh, but because it's not right and that's within you. And, um, but so oftentimes we just focus uh, to our children. Don't say that. But if we were training them, we would teach them that it's coming from their heart and help them work on that heart issue. Um, listen, I, I failed in the tongue area. I've said things that I didn't think were there. In the heat of a moment, in, in frustration. And listen, I work in a blue-collar field. Um, and so in the Air Force, you have maintenance guys. In my experience, they're probably the worst. Those aircraft maintainers, they have a rough, rough uh, culture. Uh, and security forces and CE are not far behind them, in my experience. And so uh, all the time, and kind of what Brother Long was saying yesterday, you, can, you don't even have to say anything all the time. But people, when they get around you, their, their vocabulary changes because they know I don't use those things. Uh, anyway, that's a different study for a different time. But um, let me stay focused here. Luke 6.45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil tre- treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you have a tongue problem, if your mouth is tripping you up, it's because your heart has got a problem. You have a heart condition. When you blurt something out, it doesn't come from nowhere. That moment you, you just suddenly say something, you didn't, it, it shocks you sometimes. And you're the one that said it. Uh, that came from somewhere. It comes from within. And it, and it, it reveals your heart condition. Um, and I'll add this, and we won't spend a lot of time here because this is a different study, but, but I'll add that the thoughts of the heart can be just as revealing. Even if you control yourself and you don't say it to someone else. They can be just as revealing about your heart condition. So this morning I'm going to give you three things. We must purpose to tame our tongue. We need to pray to God for help. Excuse me. And uh, <clears throat> I just drew a blank. Uh, we need to program our hearts, trying to keep with the peace. So uh, program our hearts. That's why I forgot it, because you can't, sometimes you make up words that try to make your outline look good. So I did pray about it, by the way. I don't just make it so. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so honest. We must purpose to tame our tongue. And I read you some verses about we're commanded or we're admonished to refrain our lips. I'm going to give you a few more thoughts here. We must think before we speak. First Peter gives us some insight into how we ought to speak to others. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 11. Look what the Word of God says. Finally, be all of one mind. Look at these character traits that ought to be in our lives as we interact with others, right? Having compassion one for another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. 
For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. And so similar to other areas of our life where we choose to do right, you know, oftentimes they say if you choose to do something before you're confronted with that situation, you're gonna, it's going to be easier to make the right decision. It's no different with our tongue. We need to choose and purpose that we're not going to use our tongue in a way that's defiling. Uh, we need to purpose that in our heart. Uh, we ought to commit ourselves to never saying anything negative or forward to or about anyone. Uh, as, as a believer, as, as somebody that claims Christ, someone that says they're a Christian, we ought to be purposing in our heart to not say anything, no corrupt communication. Uh, you ought to be determined. Listen, I don't go to certain establishments because I have chosen and predetermined that I will not go there. I won't go to the Bell Star. Sometimes we don't want to talk about those things publicly, but the reality is I will never go there because I've determined that I'm not going to go there. Regardless if somebody invites me or not. Regardless if I'm bored on a Friday night. Uh, I've predetermined that I'm not going there. And listen this morning, we need to do that same thing with our tongue. We need to determine that we will not let any corrupt communication out of our mouth. But what I'm afraid in our Christian's life, that we oftentimes, one, focus on those things that we know people can see. Because dealing with the heart is a difficult thing, right? So oftentimes, outwardly, we like to conform, right? And so even if we just change our vocabulary because it impresses people. Not because we've dealt with the issue. But let's move on. I don't want to. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. We need to determine that we're not going to do this. Just like we won't go to certain places. Just like we won't participate in certain activities. I'm committed to doing this. Uh, We oftentimes like to scale it. right? I don't do the really bad things. You know, but if I let something slip occasionally, it's not that big of a deal. But I want to remind you that God sees it all as sin. You have transgressed. You've missed the mark. And so what I'm challenging you this morning is don't make light of the things that you think are small things. Because in the eyes of God, they are just as bad as any other sin. Might I remind you that if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all? It really comes down to a matter of how your fellowship is with your God. And, and maybe when I was young in my Christian life, these were things I didn't think about. Like you were worried about dealing with the big things and, and kind of getting control of yourself. But as you walk closer to God, you realize the smaller things. And the Apostle Paul, uh, I think he dealt with it when he talks about being the chiefest of sinners and the least of the saints. And and as you see his ministry go on and as he got closer to God, he realized how much undone he was. And and so, but I'm afraid that we kind of make light of the small things or we consider them small. And we need to be careful not to do that. No corrupt communication. Uh, But those things that are edifying and they minister grace. Listen this morning, have you purposed in your heart only to speak righteously? Have you made a predetermined decision 
that I am only going to say those things that are honoring to God. As a young person, they often challenge you to surrender to God. Give God your life. Determine that you're going to live for God with your life. But in order to do that, you have to give Him all the areas of your life. God wants to come into your heart and to open every cupboard door, to every closet door. He wants to look under those basement stairs. And He wants every corner of your heart. And so this morning, commit to God that you're not going to use your tongue in a way that would defile yourself. Make a commitment, purpose in your heart that you're not going to use your tongue for evil. But two, pray for God's help. As we saw in James chapter 8, but the tongue can no man tame. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. And so we need to pray and ask God's help. We ought to pray that God would protect our minds from the thoughts that lead to the words of destruction. Uh, Our minds need to be renewed. Uh, Psalm 141 verse 3 says this. This is a prayer in the book of Psalms. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. He's saying, God, help me. Uh, I, I can't control this thing on my own. I need your help. Psalm 19, verses 13 and 14. Keep back thy thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Here it is. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength and my redeemer. The strength that you need to tame your tongue is not within yourself. You need God's help. The psalmist said, my strength. Uh, Lord, strengthen me. Help me. Listen, I say stupid things. I think on wicked things that cause me to say those stupid things. Lord, help me. Help the meditation of my mind. Help my heart. I can't do it on my own. The tongue can no man tame. Uh, We need God's supernatural help. The more I walk with the Lord and the more I journey through the Christian life, the more I understand how much I need Him. Listen, I implore you this morning, if you're trying in your own flesh to do right, just quit. Look to your God and ask Him for help. You will fail in your flesh. Listen, no flesh is going to glory. You're not going to get to the end of this and be like, I did such a great job. You're going to come up on the losing end every time. And I know through experience because I've tried. Uh, we need to lean on our Lord and ask Him to help. Verse 12, the first part of verse 12 in our, in our text, it says, Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? <clears throat> it's pretty obviously what James is saying here. Trees and vines only produce fruit consistent with their nature. So when we talk about our tongue, we have to get to the root nature of what's taking place. Uh, an apple tree, it would be kind of odd to have, we have three apple trees in our yard. I'd be really shocked if I went out later this year and found oranges. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So if your speech is shocking you by the things that you say, and, and you find yourself, man, I can't believe I said that. Uh, if you're frequently saying that to yourself, you might 
it might cause you to, to look to the root of the problem, the heart of the matter, if you will. Uh, just like a tree that bears fruit after its kind, our tongues produce words consistent with our hearts. Those things that we say are consistent with what's in our hearts. <clears throat> and I would say nothing divulges the real condition of our heart like the fruit of our tongues. When we say those things, uh, it really is a revelation of what's going on in our heart. But one will never begin to conquer this until they first confront the source of that behavior. Listen, we need to honestly confess the evil habit of, of speaking evil. And ask God for a cleansing. <clears throat> and really, we need to go to the Lord daily uh, to ask to strengthen us to continue to overcome that habit. Listen, the tongue can no man tame, but don't ever forget that with men this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things, to include taming our tongues. As I mentioned, too often we're guilty of attempting to do right in our own strength. Lean on the Lord and He'll strengthen you. Uh, he can give you victory in this area. Pray and ask God's help. Uh, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man, Colossians 4, 6. Seasoned with salt. And then lastly this morning, we must program a heart. So we need to pray and ask God's help but we need to program our heart. Again, in Luke, we see the center of the matter. I'm going to read it again just to remind you. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Here's a commentary from Matthew Henry regarding that verse. He says this, The heart is the treasure, and the words and action are the expenses or produce from that treasure. The reigning love of God and Christ in the heart denominates a man a good man. And as a good treasure, a man may bring forth that which is good. But where the love of the world and the flesh reign, there is an evil treasure in the heart, out of which an evil man is continually bringing forth that which is evil. And by what is brought forth, you may know what is in the heart. As you may know what is in the vessel, water or wine by what is drawn out from it. Of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What the mouth ordinarily speaks, speaks with relish and delight, generally agrees with its innermost and uttermost in the heart. He that speaks of the earth is earthly, not but a good man may possibly drop a bad word, and a wicked man make use of a good word to serve a bad turn, but for the most part the heart is as the words are, vain or serious. It therefore concerns us to get our hearts filled not only with good, but with abundance of it. So we need to fill our heart with an abundance of good. How do we do that? Psalm 51 and verse 10. A very well-known passage. Uh, many of you could probably quote it, but it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The word create means to bring into existence something that was not previously there. There's more here than David asking to be forgiven. 
Uh, I think this is an interesting thought. He already asked that of God. He already asked for forgiveness. Uh, In verses 1 and 2 of that verse, it says this. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me truly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. So verses 1 and 2, he asks for that. And then verse 7, it says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than the snow. And so David had already asked for forgiveness. And I believe he had received it. But now his prayer moves on, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for cleansing. But now I need to ask you for something else. I did what I did because my sinful heart wanted to do it. We need to admit that sometimes. We do things because we wanted to. And if you simply forgive my sin but leave my heart in the same condition as it was before, it will not be long before I go and do the same thing over again. Have you been there? You ask for forgiveness? Lord's He's promised to forgive us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just. He's not going to go back on His word. He will forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, we need more than forgiveness. And the psalmist says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And he's saying, Bring into existence what I do not have, a clean heart, a heart that loves you more than the sin you have just freely forgiven me of. Uh, a new heart, if you will. We must address the heart problem if we ever truly intend to solve the tongue problem. We need a new heart. We need to ask God to create in us a clean heart and renew that spirit in us. Uh, listen, getting God's word in your speech will change. It will change your vocabulary. Um, <clears throat> this might be an indictment on me and my bad vocabulary and my lack of walk with God, but you know, have you ever been around somebody that uses biblical terms a lot? Just the way that they talk, they're using biblical words. And those things, and, and you could just, there's a difference in the way they talk. And it's like, and as you hear them talk, you recognize the scripture that's in their mouth. It's because they've been in the word and it's changed them. We looked at the man that continues in the word and they're a doer of the word a few weeks ago. Uh, listen, you cannot get in the word of God and not be changed. I mean, you can get in there and skim it and not apply it and do anything with it and, and be here and look okay, right? You can put a tie on like I did this morning and, and everybody thinks you're a good Christian. But God knows the heart. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is convicting. And if you get in there, and it will change you. In Psalm 119, I know you know it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Listen this morning, I'm telling you, if you ask God to create in you a clean heart, uh, you pray and ask Him to strengthen you, and you get into the Word of God, your vocabulary will change. You won't have to worry so much about saying the wrong things because the Word of God will transform you to be more like Christ if you would get in it and listen and be obedient to it. So what am I telling you this morning? 
If you want victory, you need to address your heart. Quit trying to conform your words to fit in with the crowd that you're with at the time. You don't need a vocabulary for work, and you don't need a church vocabulary. You need a Bible vocabulary. A vocabulary that honors God. And listen, you'll never regret it because you'll never say the wrong thing. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect and you'll be sinless and you won't ever say something stupid. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, But by and large, the communications of your mouth will be honoring to God. Uh, And listen, there's nothing more satisfying than pleasing your God. If you're truly wanting to walk with God in this life, I enjoy my walk with God when I have less failures. I don't like to go before my God saying, God, I failed, forgive me. And what I've found out in life is I have less failures the more I lean on Him. And so this morning, lean on Him. If you have a problem with your mouth, the truth is this morning you have a problem with your heart. And I urge you to look to the Lord for His help. Purpose not to say anything. Pray and ask God's help. And then get in the Word of God to program your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for uh, Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that You would just allow us, Lord, to meet with You this morning in the service to follow. We pray that You would just fill this place with Your Spirit. Lord, that You would uh, come in and, and meet with us this morning and do a work in our hearts and draw us near to You. And Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that you would be with our tongue. Help us, Lord. I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would create in us a clean heart, Lord, and that you would renew a spirit in us. Lord, give us a heart that desires to honor and serve you in everything that we say. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. Bless now as we go to the second service. In Jesus' name, amen.